Thank you for listening to the Vine Church LV podcast. For more information, go to www.thevinechurchlv.com. So we have a guest speaker. Um, <laughs> uh, Teacher Thomas is going to be speaking today. And so if you've heard his message last time, it was very powerful. He's very anointed, um, very used by God. And so the first time I heard uh, Teacher Thomas speak was when I took discipleship class. And uh, when I heard him speak, I was just blown away because he's so young and he knows the word of God so good. And uh, my mind was just blown. And so, um, but, you know, the most important thing is he doesn't just know the word of God. He lives out the word of God. He's a wonderful husband to his beautiful wife, Jessie, and she's anointed uh, lead intercessor here at our church, and she's got the best eyebrows. All of you ladies know what I'm talking about, and they have the cutest little baby. And so, uh, yeah, it's an honor to welcome Teacher Thomas. Uh, this word is going to be powerful. It's going to be good. Get your hearts prepared, and welcome Teacher Thomas. Appreciate that. I don't know about all that, but I appreciate it anyways. I appreciate a good lie at my expense. Thank you, Leon. I'll pay you after. How's everyone doing today? Doing woo. That's right, everybody. Well, um, I just want to thank Pastor West, Pastor Versavia, for uh, you know asking me to speak to you guys. This is the second time now, and uh, it's awesome. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I, I think it at least speaks well to the future that... Um, opportunity. Amen. If you pour into God, if you chase God for God, for nothing else other than just who he is, God will use your gifts. Amen. As the Bible says, your gifts make a way for you. Amen. So just continue to seek God. Um, I'm just really grateful for this opportunity to speak, and I'm really grateful that you guys are willing to sit here and listen through this, which, you know, like I said, guys, especially after worship, that was the high point. This is, you know, this is going to be a low point real quick. So y'all just bear with me through this. Amen get my timer up, girl. Otherwise, I'll just talk in circles because I won't start till the timer starts because I'm just weird like that. Everything has to be in order, proper and exact. <laughs> um, before we get into it, I just wanted to um, ask, who's a volunteer here? If you could just raise your hand. Can we give a round of applause for our volunteers? It's crazy. It's a lot of the church. Guys, seriously, this church is nothing, nothing without volunteers. It runs on volunteers. Amen. Ain't no one in here getting paid, but you guys are deciding you're going to work for Jesus instead of a paycheck, amen? And I just appreciate all your hours, and I appreciate coming into the church, and people are cleaning, getting stuff set up, ready to go, all the sound systems on, all the, all the text going. There's people smiling at me already. I haven't had my cough yet, so I don't know why they're smiling at me, because I got, you know, resting face. We won't explain what that means, but y'all know what that means. I come in looking like I'm going to kill somebody, and I'm actually incredibly happy. It's, it's, it's interesting. That's what I live with. But it is what it is. So thank you guys so much. And uh, another kind of group of people I want to thank. Um, this Thursday is 4th of July, right? Independence Day. So everyone who has served in the military, please raise your hand. We just really want to thank you and honor you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for sacrificing your time. Thank you so much for putting your lives on the line so we could be free. I really appreciate you guys. And God bless you. And uh, finally, I want to save the big one for last. Let's give a shout to Jesus. Amen. We are nothing without him. 
Amen. We are nothing without him. He is so good. Amen. <laughs> God is so good. Uh, Aaron, that is good, my friend. I will call you back up at the end so you can make my closing sound good where it probably won't be. But like I said, guys, we're just going to have to muscle through it. Amen. It, it, <laughs> it is what it is. That's why I brought coffee because this is really going to fuel me. Amen. I was like, man, I'm really feeling the anointing today. And then, man, I'm feeling it now. You know what I'm saying? I got it going. It's in my veins. Yeah. You know, it hits me harder. I stopped working at Starbucks, and now it's like a little bit of coffee, and I'm just messed up now. So I think I need to go back to Starbucks. Right, babe? No? Okay, never mind. She didn't like it when I worked at Starbucks. She likes the money I'm making now, right? Okay, anyways. Moving on. Moving on. What's my happiness, right? <laughs> you know, it's sacrifice. Guys, never mind. We're going to talk about sacrificing today. We're going to talk about being humble and sacrificing yourself for your family. No? Okay, never mind. I'm, I'm getting a look from Pastor West. We're going to move on. Um, <laughs> all right, let's open up with the verse that's really just going to put it all together. I have Matthew chapter 12, 46 to 50. While he was still talking, who's he? Jesus. Still talking. What's going on? Let's go context real quick. He's rolling around the town, preaching in the synagogues, going into houses, praying for people, teaching parables. They keep bringing sick people to him. And now you have all these people who are around him who want to learn from him and they want to receive from him, right? So he's still speaking. He's still teaching the multitudes who have followed him because they realize when I'm around this guy, good things happen to me. So I should probably stick around, right? That's, that, that's a little nugget for some of y'all out there. You stick around the good stuff. Uh, while he was still talking to the multitudes, behold, his mother and brothers stood outside seeking to speak with him. Then one said to him, I don't know who that one person is. Apparently they weren't important enough. Look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you. He just told us what the Bible already told us. See, that's, that's repetition. Amen whatever. But he answered and said to the one who told him, now it doesn't say it here, but th these are red letters. Okay. So let's remember these aren't, these aren't Thomas letters. These are red letters. Okay. Who is my mother and who are my brothers? That's kind of silly. Jesus is God, right? I feel like he would know who his mothers and brothers are. You know everything, but you don't know who your own family is. What the heck's going on here? I'm done with Christianity now. That don't make no sense. And he stretched out his hand toward his disciples and said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We praise you, God. And we thank you, Lord, that what your word says is true. God, right now we humble ourselves. We open our hearts, God. And we just ask, Lord, that we would receive the word that you have prepared today, Lord. Use my mouth, God. Speak through me, God. More of you and less of me. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So uh, really glad I get to be a part of the series we're doing of did Jesus really say that? What, what we're doing is, you know, we are coming against things that are in common Christianity, but also we're, we're just kind of talking about things that we say a lot in this house that may or may not be true or not. We're just going in and we're just trying to clear the water really quick. We're just trying to clear the air, right? Because a lot of stuff has been said. Let's just relay the groundwork. Today we're talking about family first. Now that's the catchy way of saying family is your first ministry. Uh-oh. It got real quiet, um, probably because a lot of us have said it, and notice I said us because I've said it a million times. 
we're just going to talk about it today. It, guys, can we, can, we, can we talk about it in church? Is, is that okay with you? Can we just talk about stuff today? You know, like daggers, let's get the daggers out of your eyes. You know, like, listen, I'm as much a victim as you guys are, okay? I just brought the word. This is just what God wanted me to speak. Actually, it's Pastor West told me. He said, yeah, man, that's a good idea. Go ahead, preach words. So you guys want to get mad at anybody, get mad at Pastor West. But actually, it was God who spoke it. So you guys want to get mad at someone, get mad at God, and good luck with that. So moving forward, family first. Family is your first ministry. Is it good? Is it bad? Well, let's, let's talk about it really quick. So I love family, kind of. Family's interesting. It's like a really mixed bag, you know what I mean? Family's got a lot of really good stuff, and you know, it's got some not so good stuff. You know, like family's pretty crazy. Like I have a cousin. Mom knows exactly what I'm talking about. A bit of a nutbag, but I love him so much. I haven't seen him in a long time, and there's a reason for that. He's a little, you know, nice guy. We'll leave it at that. Um, you're distracting me. Stop looking. L- listen, Mom, don't ask me who, because I'm not going to say it over the microphone. But oftentimes when we think of family, we don't necessarily always think of our cousins and our aunts and our uncles. We think of the people that live in our house, right? Our immediate family. And they're absolutely insane. Um, my brother and my sisters and my mo- See, this is hard to preach because my mom's sitting here just staring at me right now. Mom, it's, listen, the anointing is upon me. I have to preach. Thank you. She says she loves me. I can say it. Mom, am I handsome? How many years have I said my mom thinks I'm handsome? Boom. Proof. Okay, moving on. Moving on. Okay. Y'all hear it now. I love it. My mom and my wife living in the house, all I hear about is how good looking I am now. Like, my wife started the fan club, and it's my wife, my mom, and my son. My son is forcing me in it because he can't hold his own neck up right now. Oh, and Pastor West, too. So, you know, it's growing. I hope when my son gets old enough, he'll still be in my fan club. We'll see what happens, right, when I take away his Xbox for that first time. And I'm gonna. I already get mad at him. You know, I look at him, and I'm just like, man, you're going to talk back to your mom. Oh, my God, you talk back to your mom. You better hope I'm not there. You better hope I'm out of town or something like that, young man. I'm going to tear you up. It's the anointing. It, it's, it's, no, it's the anointing. Coffee is holy. It's the anointing. But fa- family's a little crazy. Um, just to kind of prove a point, my brother, when I was in middle school, I think I was 11 or 12, um, we were in a ground floor apartment with a window that opened up and no supervision in that room. It was right next to the front door. In hindsight, like really, what was my mom supposed to do about that? You know, it was just one person. She couldn't really do anything about it. Jeffrey, of course, took full advantage of that, woke me up in the middle of the night and said, hey, man, you're going to come with me. So we leave the house. We go down to the Walgreens across the street. It's midnight. I've never done this before in my life, but my brother said it's a good idea. So it's probably a good idea, right? It wasn't. We go to Walgreens, and we buy two cartons of eggs. You guys can see where this story's going. And the clerk at Walgreens, I don't know what was up with them. They just kind of let us do it. I'm obviously 11 years old, and my brother's like 15 or something like that. And she just stares at us like, will that be all? And like doesn't say, hey, guys, I'm going to call the cops, go home, which is what a responsible person would do. But I guess that's why they're working at Walgreens at midnight. So, you know, I just solved that case. It's been bothering me for years. And we go up the street to a really, really nice part of town. (laughs) And we go into a neighborhood. And my brother tells me, my girlfriend did some stuff I'm not going to say at church. But it's bad. So we're going to pay her back. And 
that's why we have the eggs. And then we used the eggs. And then we left. And we still had some eggs left. And so my brother said, hey, ever the one with the great, great ideas, let's go over this wall and chuck eggs at cars that are driving by. And I said, 11 years old, it's my older brother, hey, man, all right, sounds good to me, right? So we go over the wall, we start chucking eggs. At, I, I hope I can't get arrested for this. This isn't like, uh, who's like a legal aid around here? The, uh, thank you, okay. Statue of, okay, thank you, yes, I was a minor. There we go, okay, move on. <laughs> Bad time to talk about that body I buried, right? Statue of limitations, I was a minor. You can't charge me. Um, just joking, please don't arrest me. So we, we, we started chucking eggs at cars, and um, then when we were done, we just, uh, we just left and just went home and went to bed. And that was that. And no retribution coming. That is my family. Just to give you guys a little bit of backstory on there. So this next story, it'll make a little bit more sense why I was so angry, okay? So me and my friend at the time who was living with us, his name was Tyler Billy. With, what a name, right? <laughs> People used to call him Billy. It was amazing. He didn't like it. Stop it. Stop it right now. I want to roll. I want to roll. That's it. I need more coffee. The annoying thing's back. Okay. We go down to this little shop called Pet Pros where there's some animals. And I'm like 16 years old. And you're probably wondering, why is a 16-year-old spending his night at an animal store? It's because I didn't have a life. Thank you for bringing that up. I love it. Anyways, we're in there petting the animals, and my sister's with her friend, my sister Emily's with her friend Ashley, and she decides, oh, you know, we're, we're, we're going to leave. Okay, whatever. You know, it's probably not a good idea. Just explain that last story about my family. Emily is a lot like that, so I should have known better that it would have ended up bad. 30, 40 minutes goes by. I'm still in the pet store playing with the dog. Again, no life. And her friend Ashley comes in, and she's like, oh, hey, um, you, you better come real quick. This is back when they had Kmarts. Okay, this is back when they had Kmarts, which is now gone. So we go inside of the Kmart, and Ashley says, so uh, Emily, not me, she said, Emily shoplifted and got caught. And I was like, oh, I knew it. Why did I turn my back on that? I, I, the Jeffrey story, we remember that? I should have learned my lesson five years prior, but I didn't. And so now I was reaping the benefits of that. And I'm standing there all thinking, is my mom's going to yell at me because my little sister was under my supervision. I said, no, mom, trust me. We're going to be fine. We're going to walk to a pet store, and it'll all be good. Turns out it wasn't all good, and my little sister decided to shoplift inside of a Kmart. Turns out later it was actually her friend Ashley, and she blamed her. They stopped being friends after. It was awesome. So anyways, I go to the back room, and I'm like, hey, man, it's my little sister. The security guy goes, oh, okay, cool. Uh, do you have any idea on you? Now, a little bit of grace from my mom. The and Emily didn't have the same dad. No judgment. No judgment. We didn't have the same dad. And we also didn't, we don't look a thing alike. There's nothing alike. We're completely two different people. We look completely different. And we don't like each other. We like each other now. Not back then. So there's nothing in common. So here's this guy walking in saying that that's his sister. What's this guy probably thinking, right? This is her boyfriend. I was mistaken for my sister's boyfriend all the time. And that sucks, by the way. Please, if you have kids, make them look the same. Like, my God. So anyways, sorry, Mom. That's a little bit of anger coming out at you. I repent for that. Please forgive me. No, 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 we do not. We look nothing alike, and we're nothing alike. So anyways, 
I go into the back, and the guy's like, hey, man, can I see your ID? It doesn't register. We have two last names. We look completely different, and we're nothing alike. This guy's not going to buy that I'm her brother. But I don't think that because I'm 16 years old and an idiot. If you're 16, you're not an idiot. I just happen to be an idiot at 16. Okay, awesome. I don't want to offend anybody about that. So I pull out my ID, and I hand it to the guy, and I almost get into a fight with a 21-year-old um, security officer at a Kmart when I'm 16 years old. I'm not going to explain all the things I said because you might lose respect for me, the things he did. But the fact he wanted to fight a 16-year-old, you know, that's, he, he's got his own problems. You know, I pull it out, and my last name says Wright, and her ID says Raska. So that's why the fight happened. Call my mom. She comes, bails us out, yells at everybody. And then we just blame everything on Ashley, and we all just stop being friends with Ashley. It was wonderful. That was our scapegoat. We're like, no, Ashley, the next-door neighbor, she's awful. You're right. She is awful. Boom. Stop being friends. Guys, find a family scapegoat. That's how you keep it all together, all right? You sweep it all underneath the rug, and you blame it on that person. Awesome. Moving forward. So what's weird was when I was thinking about this, I was thinking, like, that, for some reason, kind of resonates with me. When talking about family, what the Bible talks about is family, true family, is this, right? It, it, it's not necessarily who we're born into, but it's who we're spiritually born into, amen? And so people on the outside call that weird, and they say, why are you for them when you should be more for us? You have no ties to them. So much in that situation, though we were related to an outside observer, me and my sister did not look related. So when I came in to bail her out, he suspected something was wrong, right? Because there should be nothing attaching us, even though there was so much attaching us together. And that's the same thing here. People on the outside look in at us and they judge us for being so weird, for being so close together, because nothing attaches us. Not our names, not our appearances, not our personalities. What attaches us, though, is the blood of Jesus. Amen? So much like that... That's the same way that we are. Amen? It may look weird to them, but it's not weird to us. Can we please go back to that verse? Matthew 12, 46 through 50. And let's go forward to verse 48. He says, who is my brother and who are my brothers? I said, who is my brother and who are my brothers? That was awesome. Who is my mother and who are my brothers? Next verse. And he stretched out his hand toward his disciples and said, here are my mother and here are my brothers. Next verse. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. The question was, you know, is family first okay? Is family really your first ministry? And I would ask you, well, who do you say your family is? Right? So if it's in the sense of what's going on here. So, see, this is a mixed question. This is a, a hot topic because it's not a simple yes or no. It's a, it's a, we have to define some terms here really quick. This here, this body of Christ, Right? This is the will of God right here. I love it. Uh, I just heard a, a preacher say it the other day. Um, Jesus came to die, right? That was the chief purpose. But a secondary purpose was to establish this. Amen? And so when we forsake this, we actually forsake half of Jesus' ministry. We forsake half of the reason why he came. So this right here, this is the will of God right here. So when, is family your first ministry? I would say, your family in Christ? Absolutely. Absolutely. We're to minister and to love on one another, right? And to build each other up. Family in the blood of Christ is your first ministry. But then this causes some issues in people. Why? Because of our culture. 
because of our background, because of what people tell us. So are you saying I'm not supposed to take care of my family? Like, who is my family? Am I not supposed to support people? Am I not responsible for people? No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying at all. We're about to go to a verse that's going to explain it really well, but, but, but there's a clear indication in the Bible between our family in Christ and our household. There are verses about the household. You know what the household is? People you're born into. Your mother, your father, your brothers and sisters, right? Your wife, your kids, all that. Yeah, your crazy cousin. Well, you know, we're not, we're not going to talk about him. Um, just moving on, guys. I love my crazy cousin. I'm just joking. What we have going on here is, 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 is there's a split. We have two responsibilities. We have a responsibility to one another, and we have a responsibility to take care of our earthly family. So now we go to the second part of family is your first ministry. Does that not apply to your household? Of course it applies to your household. When you get saved, who are the first people you talk to? Who are the first people that you can affect for the kingdom? Your household, your family that you're born into, amen? So there's a yes right there. But there's an issue with the verse we just read. It said, for whoever does the will of God, this are my mother's brothers and sisters, right? Does your earthly family cause you to say no to the will of God? in favor of them. Now, that's a real problem right there. That's the real problem. That's where this word, this whole phrase we use, becomes an issue. Because our earthly family is not more important than God. And what God says is more important than what they say. Let's go to uh, Matthew chapter 10. Those verses I have up there. Matthew 10, 34 to 39. Again, red letters, so please don't get mad at me. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Oh, man, this sounds angry. Okay. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Don't need no help on that one. That happens all the time. Keep going. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. Oh, hold up. We just talked about household being a little bit different, right? Here's a differentiation. This is your earthly family right here. The gospel will bring division between the people that you live in a house with, right? But what did he say in Matthew chapter 12? You don't have to go there. Stay, stay here. Matthew chapter 12, he said, these people who do the will of God, these are my family, right? There's no division for doing the will of God. But in the household, the earthly family, doing the will of God will always bring division. I went through a season of my life where a lot of the people who were my family were upset with me for what I was doing. A lot of my family lives up in Washington and Idaho. They... <laughs> they, they thought I was like an apostate. They, they, they thought all, things, all kinds of things about me. They would laugh when people would talk about the things I was doing. They were very negative towards me, but I praised God that I stuck through it and I kept moving on. And at a time when I really needed money for a program that I was a part of for, to get Christian schooling, um, they actually came together and said, you know what? We wish you were Mormon. We wish you went on a mission trip, but we're going to support you anyways. And you know, God really came through with my family and really brought restoration. Now when they see me, I'm able to talk to them and show them this side of Christianity, and they actually see me in a more positive light, right? And that's me ministering to them. But there was a moment of division in my household. There was a moment of division with my family where they thought me an enemy. This verse is very, very true. Let's keep going. 37. He who loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Man. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. 
He who finds his life will lose it. He who loses his life for my sake will find it. Amen? It's powerful right there. It's powerful right there. Always, 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 the choice is, do I do family or do I follow God? Follow God. Follow God. Amen? Always the choice is God over family. And that is a hard pill to swallow. That is not popular today in Christianity because we want to build bridges and we want to be peacemakers. And you're absolutely right. We're supposed to be peacemakers and we're supposed to build bridges. But here's the problem. What are we building the bridge out of? What kind of peace are we bringing in? Are we bringing in the peace of God or are we bringing in a false peace, a a peace to just kind of, you know, stay together for the kids kind of a thing? You know what I mean? What kind of a peace are we bringing in? The only true peace, I believe, comes through contention, comes through issues, comes through fights and arguments and squabbles, right? But that brings true peace, right? Because these confrontations build intimacy. That's something Pastor West says a lot, right? These confrontations, these issues, man, they build intimacy and actually allows us to butt heads and grow and bring our family into the fold and show them another side of Christianity that they have not seen. Amen? And eventually, they too can become doers of the will of God just like we are. Amen? For a season, it might be hard, but at the end of the day, it is what it's supposed to be. And no one here is saying, kick your family to the curb, pack them up in the car, and send them over to grandma's house. (laughs) That's not at all what anyone's saying. In fact, we have a couple verses. Not a couple. I'm exaggerating. One verse. Then I'm going to go over and explain that. Amen? But always, will of God first. And the amazing thing is, in this house, look around. You have a support group. You have a family in Christ that if people decide that they don't want you in their life anymore because you think God's more important to them, look around this room. Every single person in here has said, God first. Has said, I will choose God over anything else. I will choose God even though it's not popular. And this right here is your family. I remember going through that season in time where I felt like my family did not love me, did not care about me. I was at a church, and, you know, I got saved, and what's interesting is, is, is I started bawling my eyes out, and three different people came up to me and hugged me and loved on me and encouraged me in the Lord. Then I go up to the front seat. I'm sitting on the front seat of the, uh, of the worship center, and I look over, and this girl's just like, I don't know, I feel like she's like crying or something. I was like, wow, she's weird. And so I kind of poke her. I'm like, hey, are you okay? And she looks up, and it was my wife, Jessie. You know, so that's the first time I ever met her was the, was the day I got saved. She said, no, I'm just praying. And I was like, oh, yeah, she's really weird. By the way, guys, she's still weird. That's, that hasn't gone away. That's still a thing. But out of that place of community and family and God, I, I actually didn't realize that, that, that the seeds were being sown for my future. Amen? Uh, long-lasting friendships. Um, things I now know about God that no one can ever take from me because I've personally experienced them. My wife, our son came out of that, right? Amazing things, life lessons that I've learned. And it all came out of the family of Christ doing the will of God, saying, I don't care what my family says. I don't care what my friends say. I'm going to go after God. And God brought me friends and family. There was a time in my life where I was going through something very, very hard and I didn't know what to do. So I went to this back room where you take your babies when they cry. And it was before youth service. I remember Pastor Wes and Anthony Morgan stood with me in that room, and they stood with me while I cried out to God, and I asked God if I would serve him if he would just save my family. On those two guys, my two brothers in Christ, 
stood with me in that moment and held me up when I couldn't hold myself up. Amen? Who was there? It, it wasn't my earthly family. Not that they don't want to be there for me, but it was my godly family. It was my family in Christ that held me together during my harsh times. And I've got a million other stories of going through heartache, going through awful moments, and my family in Christ was there. Amen? But there's still a question. So what am I supposed to do about my family? Because you keep saying, I'm not saying kick them to the curb, but it sounds to me like you're saying kick them to the curb. Absolutely not. Can we please go to 1 Timothy 5.8? Okay, this is talking about the household. This is a really harsh verse. Buckle in your seatbelts. Again, Paul wrote this. Get mad at Paul, okay? But if anyone, okay, listen, please don't get mad at me. I'm really serious right now. I just went to God about what to preach, all right? Let's move forward. But if, guys, I'm serious. Please don't get mad at me about this, all right? It's really harsh. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, right, what's the household? The family. He has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That's what Paul would have to say. Guys, that's New Testament. So what's your responsibility? Even if they don't love you, they don't honor you, even if they forsake you because you choose the will of God, you still have a God-given responsibility to take care of them. Amen? And that right there, family being one of your many ministries you have to do, you have to take care of them. But guys, when you take care of your family, what does that do? What aspect of God does that show them? Shows them the provider. That even when they curse you, you still give to them. That even when they curse you, you're still patient. You have long suffering. You still have peace and love and joy, right? The fruit of the Spirit, right? You're still bearing that forth to show them. And you still make sure that there's food on their table, clothes on their back, and a roof over their heads. Amen? No matter what. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, he even talks about how if you're married to someone who doesn't believe in God, don't divorce them. If they want to leave, let them leave. But if they don't want to leave, you stick it out with them because by your conduct, you will be a good witness to them. Amen? We've got to take care of our family in that sense. But we've also got to take care of the house of God and one another. Amen? It's a balance. And that's what I found. Family is your first ministry. It's not a bad saying. It's just a misunderstood saying. It's a misquoted saying. It needs to be understood. There's a balance. Who is my family? You're my family. My responsibility is to take care of you. When it comes to my household, my responsibility is to pour out for them and show them and evangelize to them and lead them to Christ that they may become my family in Christ as well. Because what's greater? What's greater? The family I'm born into or the family that I'm spiritually born into? Spiritual. Amen. Aaron, I'm almost done. Can you come back on the keys? Oh, wow, man. 16 minutes left to go. This is awesome, guys. I'm getting you all out early. I'm getting you guys out early today. This is a hard lesson to learn. Amen. And I really wanted to bear it in a loving manner. I really wanted to bear it in a way that would encourage everyone here. But I cannot let go of what God would actually say in the name of making people feel good. Amen? So if this word has been harsh, if it's hurt, we need to go to God on that. We need to ask God, God, why does this word hurt me when it comes to family? You want to know what I would have to say? 
Your family, right, this is the term we use a lot, stronghold. Your family, you've so built a need for your earthly family in your heart that when it comes between them and God, you fall apart. But if we go back to the prophet Ezekiel, God was using him mightily. God did crazy things through him. And at his high point, his wife dies. I don't know about you, that would mess me up. But then he goes and he buries his wife. And God says, mourn her for a day. And then mourn her no more. So he mourns her for a day. And he gets up and he keeps doing what God has called him to do. And he brings forth the word of God to an entire nation. And he speaks to kings, and he speaks to priests, and he speaks to prophets, and he speaks to armies, and he prophesies these crazy prophecies that all of us wish we had gotten to see. And God does amazing things through him. But if he looked at it and said, my family and my problems are more important than the will of God, he would have missed out. And guess who else would have missed out? Us. Pushing through your issues, pushing through your grief, pushing through your family not being cool with what you're doing, you, you have no idea what's on the other side. Like you, you, you just have no idea what's on the other side. I look back and if I thought, when I went and visited my dad in LA, see, I was, I was, I was really on fire for God and, and I was really ministering to all my friends and I was ministering to my family, but I was not ministering to my father who lived out in LA. And I get forced to go see him for, uh, what was it, spring break? Yeah, spring break. Man, I didn't want to go see him. I kept fighting and fighting, but I really believe God made me do it. It was like a real Jonah moment, you know what I mean? Like, you know, he's like, hey, you should go to L.A. and speak to your father. I'm like, no, nah, man, I'm good. You know, I, I got stuff to do at church. You know, it's, it's, it's like a youth group. I've not missed youth group a single time. And uh, instead, I got sent to L.A. And on that plane ride, I read the book of Ephesians for the first time. And, man, it blew my mind. And I sat there, and I was confident what I'm doing, I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to talk to my God. I mean, my God. I'm supposed to talk to my dad. You know, some of y'all, that'll preach. Yo, God is your father. Anyways, moving on. That's just me covering up for my mistake. Um, guys, it happens, right? To live is Christ. All right, moving forward. Say <laughs> lobby. I'm encouraged. You know what? I'm, I'm, I'm going to say something to my father, and I'm going to stand firm before him, and I'm going to show him that me being a man of God is more important. Easier said than done. My dad is a very big guy. My dad is a military guy. My dad is a very, very smart guy. He is both a lawyer and an engineer, which is crazy. I didn't know that was a thing. Um, very, very strong man. His opinion is the right opinion. Your opinion is the wrong opinion. Amen? So I'm sitting here, and I got a D one time, and he chewed me out for two and a half hours about how that D was going to ruin my entire life. He actually was kind of right um, because I, I kind of, no, actually, he was completely wrong, guys. My life's amazing. But he was a little right. Anyways, and so I'm sitting up there in the room, and I'm like, God, just give me an opportunity. Just give me an opportunity. I'm 17 years old. I'm scared out of my mind. Just give me an opportunity to talk to my 40-something-year-old dad. And we're upstairs, and we're just kind of playing a game together. He looks up at me, and he's like, what's your plan? What's my plan? Yeah, what's your plan? I was like, oh, geez, I don't know, man. That's kind of a deep question. I'm 17. Three months till I'm out of high school, and I hadn't thought about what I was supposed to do. I didn't know how to be an adult. So I'm like, well, I'm going to join an intern program at my church and then go from there. And he goes, okay, that's a good idea. Or you can come move in with me, go to Santa Barbara Community College, get all A's and B's for two years, get immediate acceptance into UCLA, live here for free. And I was like, wow. 
that's not a bad, it's actually a pretty awesome, pretty awesome opportunity right there in front of me. My dad would have provided everything the whole way through. All I had to do was work a job and just kind of pay off my student loan debt. But I looked at him and I thought, you know what? I could try to please my dad. Ooh, that's all I've ever wanted my entire life, just to please him. You know what I mean? And in this moment, I could really have that. I could really please him. But instead, one of the hardest moments of my life, no, dad, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I actually said that. I have no idea how I was able to do that. I think that that was God moving on me. And I, and I, and I thank you. <laughs> and I said, no. And he left it at that. And I thought, man, my dad's mad at me. I thought he was mad at me for years until a few years later, goes on down the road. I'm married. I have a kid. My dad talks to me over the phone and says, I just want you to know, Thomas, I'm so proud of you. He said, you're such an amazing person. He said, you're better than me. He said, you're going to be an amazing father, an amazing husband, something I could never have been to the level that you are. And man, that messed me up so bad. But if I had chosen to please him in my flesh and please my earthly family, I would never be at the place where I am now, to the place now where my dad calls me and texts me and says, hey, can you pray for this person? Can you pray for this person? Hey, can you please pray for this person? These people really need God. He lets me pray for him, something he never did before, but because I made a stand for God and I went through the years of harsh times, I now have an amazing relationship with my father and God is a part of it. And that's what I want to encourage you guys with, right? The word of God says weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Sometimes that night takes years and years. And man, when it's your family pushing that on you, man, that's hard. Why? Because family knows exactly where you are from. Jesus going to his hometown and preaching the word and trying to heal people. And his family goes, is this Jesus, the son of Joseph? We know who he is. You're nothing. You're not who you say you are. And man, they just rejected him. His family standing out there. Instead of coming in and being where he is and seeing the amazing things that he does and being a part of what he's doing because they don't want to do that. They don't want to humble themselves and say, man, we can receive from Jesus. They stand on the outside and say, hey, someone just, just come get him. Just come get him. We're too good to go in there. We're too good to be seen with him. What he's doing is weird. But can I encourage you with something? Two of his brothers went on to write epistles in the Bible. One of his brothers, James, a lot of early, a lot of early church fathers and a lot of historians hold him as the leader of the apostolic council in the church of Jerusalem. Wow. His family was saved and turned around. Why? Because Jesus knew what was greater. Jesus said, I can only do what my father tells me to do. I can only go where he tells me to go. Amen. And then Jesus looks at us and he says, Father, I wish that they would be one, just as you and I are one. It's hard to go through these things. The only reason I was able to go through them was because I had a family in Christ who cared about me. Because I had a family in Christ who, when I cried, they didn't care that I was a grown man crying. They held me. Amen. I had a spiritual father, Eric Willis, right there. For years, would pick me up and take me to his house and just let me sit on the couch and play Marvel vs. Capcom for hours. Got me into Naruto and all that other kind of stuff. But, you know, thank you for that. My wife really likes Naruto, so thank you for that. Just really bringing our family closer together. And, you know, really, the gospel is a lot like Naruto. I'm just joking. <laughs> Amen. But, but that's it. It takes a village. I am who I am because of a million people touching my life. 
I am who I am. And you are all who you are because of a million people passing you around, pouring into your life, shaping you, pruning you, speaking the word of God into you. And if you feel far from this community of God, if you feel like, man, all I really have is my earthly family, I don't know what to do, I want to encourage you to come around and get close to some of these people in this house. Because, man, we are only as strong as our weakest link, amen? And we are only strong when we're together. The word of God says one puts a thousand to flight, but, but, but what? Two puts 10,000 to flight. A, um, a pastor, this is very Christianese, he said, the mathematics of collaboration is multiplication. So it's not addition, it's not subtraction. When we collaborate together, it multiplies. Because you would think a 1,000 would then be 2,000. But really, a 1,000, when more people come in, it's 10,000. Guys, we're stronger together than apart. So we cannot let these things on earth hold us back from the things that God would have for us. Amen? I surely want to encourage you with that. And if you feel broken in your heart because you feel like, man, I've really sucked at this, or that First Timothy verse about not providing for your family really hurts you, man, we're going to pray. I'm going to have the intercessors come up here, and we're going to pray. Actually, if you guys could come up right now, and we're just going to pray. Because you know what? You're not too far gone. And if you feel like your family's a real, real, real stronghold in your life, man, no, it's not. Because Jesus is greater than your problems. Amen? If you feel like, man, I just can't move forward, man, I just really need good friends and family in my life, come up here and pray. Because Jesus will knit you together with other believers. Amen? And your brokenness and your pain, it'll all melt away. Amen? So just come and be loved. Come and be a part of a family. Amen? Father God, we thank you for your son, Jesus, who came and died for us, God, and set an example, God, that as he walked on this earth, so are we to walk on this earth, God. I thank you, Lord, that you've given us brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers, sons and daughters in the faith, God. You've come in, God, and you've shaped our family, God. You've redefined what family means to us, God. Family is not the same thing it's been now, Lord. Family is something different, God. Family, Lord, is who you say it is, God. Family, God, are the people who have come forward and said, Jesus Christ is my Lord and, and my Savior. Those are my brothers and my sisters, God. I thank you, Lord, that you've put me in a home with family, God. You've put all of us here, Lord, in a home with family, Father God. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that this church would feel like home to the lost and the broken, God. That it doesn't matter who you are or what you struggle with or where you come from. God, that it would feel like home in this place, God. And Lord, we just pray for a repairing of hearts, God, and healing, Lord, and moving forward, God, moving forward, God, that we wouldn't stagnate, God, that we wouldn't plateau, God, we wouldn't stop, that we would constantly move forward. I have a problem. I don't have a problem anymore. I'm going to move forward in Jesus and in his promises. We love you, Lord, and we praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.